Thanks for taking the time to listen to this NHS Employers podcast. For all the latest NHS HR workforce information, visit www.nhsemployers.org. Dear Matilda, I wanted to write to say thank you. It has been a very busy time for the NHS and your mummy is doing everything she can to keep people safe and healthy. She might be... In the midst of the pandemic, with NHS staff overworked and almost overwhelmed with COVID patients, that letter was sent to children of staff at the Isle of Wight NHS Trust. But this story isn't really about a letter. It's about what that letter symbolises and about how a troubled trust that had been placed in special measures in 2016, with one of the lowest staff survey scores in the NHS, became, just four years later, the most improved trust for staff experience in the NHS. What kind of leadership is required to take staff on that journey and make a turnaround like that happen? To find out, Stephen Weeks, policy manager at NHS Employers, spoke to staff about how being placed in special measures made them feel, about the repercussions in the local media, and found out what led to that letter. But first, he spoke to Maggie Oldham, the chief executive appointed to the trust the very day it was placed in special measures. I think when I first joined the trust, I think understandably, the morale amongst um, those that worked across the breadth of the um, the four services that the trust provided wasn't the highest, if it's fair to say. The CQC had found areas um, where we needed to improve, where the trust needed to improve. And of course, the labelling of being either requires or improvement or inadequate is it's really quite difficult for staff who go to work every day to do the very best that they can um, for those that use the services. Going into special measures had such a, a negative impact um, on, on most of our staff, I think. I'm Jen Edgington, the Associate Director of Nursing and AHPs for the Community Division at Isle of Wight NHS Trust. The trust was often described as being broken. And when you hear that message consistently so many times, you start to believe it actually is broken. And then there's almost like there's a sense that you're responsible for it breaking. The island's really small um, and the local media will always pick up on anything negative to do with the trust. And, And so that message is not only Um, reinforced in the organisation, but it it kind of becomes everywhere. For people like me that choose to work in trusts that have got very challenged and find themselves with very poor ratings, the first priority has, has got to be around providing some stability. It's not the job of somebody like myself to be uh, judge and jury on what's gone on in the past. Um, The role of people like myself is to look to the future and how taking everything that we know about um, ourselves, we can start to show some improvements. Now, for the Isle of Wight, there were a number of places that were inadequate for safety. And so they required immediate attention and focus. So the Priorities being stabilisation so that people recognised that we needed to carry on um, and that we needed to carry on at pace to improve um, what we do for our patients and importantly for our staff as well. I never really felt unsupported um, during when we were um, 
put into special measures. It's it's not that I didn't feel supported. I think um, I've always had a, a really good support from from my divisional um, manager. So my line manager directly has always been great. Um, the director of nursing who came in during that time again was a terrific support. We had a period where there were interims. Um, which leaves you in a very unsettled and unstable position. But but the support I had personally wasn't, you know, it was good. It wasn't bad. Um, I've always had quite a bit of structure around my day um, and what my goals are and, and ensuring that I can stay afloat. Um, I think most of the challenge has been keeping other staff supported um, and allowing them to be part of any change going forward. And I think it's hard when morale is quite low for us in senior leadership positions to kind of keep everyone buoyant. There's a lot in the literature, and I think common sense tells us that if we can create organisations where staff feel valued and feel that they are contributing to improvements, um, then you get great outcomes for patients. And it's really hard to always keep that as your true north. But at times like taking on the the chief exec role of an organisation such as the Isle of Wight was at that time, trying to engage with as many members of staff as possible to hear from them firsthand what their priorities were and and to let them tell you what it was like um, to do their job in an organisation that was losing um, losing its status, I suppose, or or losing its ability to do for people to be able to come to work and do what they set out to do. The moment I arrive here in Isle of Wight, the people are very welcoming, and they were open about the um, the, the work that needs to be done uh, in the trust. My name is Karen Karamet. I am a ward manager in Apley Ward, one of the medical wards at St Mary's Hospital, Isle of Wight. Maggie Oldham, Mary Aubrey are very proactive leaders. You see these leaders going to the floor, meeting staff, and that's really a big thing. Um, I think that one of the successes of us getting to good is how our leaders, our senior leaders, our doctors as well, made sure that they talk to staff. You don't have to speak to every member of staff that works in your organisation. You get to a certain point when you've heard the repeated messages time and time again. And that helps you really start to formulate what you believe are the goals. And you've got, uh, for me personally, it was always patient safety comes first. And then um, broader objectives around how do we actually um, get get this organisation to good. You know, people seem to be obsessed when they take up new jobs of redoing values and visions. And the question we put to staff on the island is, do you want us to redo the the vision and the values? And staff were very clear to us that there was nothing wrong with the values or the vision um, or the philosophy of care that the trust had got. What was wrong was that it wasn't applied and that respect and values-based culture was was talked about but not delivered. Now, whether that was true or not, it was the experience of staff. And that's what we started right on the early days to try and, um, and change. But it's, it, it doesn't happen overnight. So we were doing lots of small things to engage with staff. And it's really difficult when culture 
and an OD programme is being set by executives and senior managers based on shocking um, NHS surveys because you don't really know where to begin. But as staff get more confident with you, they start to tell you exactly it is, what they need, what they want and, um, and where the areas were that were key. Soon after taking over, Maggie ran a leadership conference. The keynote speaker was Professor Michael West. If I had a pound for every time somebody said to me, Maggie, we've heard all this before and nothing ever changes, I'd be a very rich woman by now. And part of bringing Michael to speak to staff was to reinforce that what we were trying to achieve wasn't just rhetoric. When you listen to the compelling reasons why getting things right for staff has such an immaterial impact on um, patient outcomes and safety, I I don't believe, and our conference was evaluated extremely well, I don't think there was anybody that didn't leave that conference without um, energy around everybody's commitment to um, improving our organisation. And from when you joined the Trust, how long would you say was it before you started to see improvements across the organisation? Obviously, NHS organisations are large uh, large and complex. So what was the sort of timescale for starting to see improvements? There were some improvements almost immediately. So once there was a recognition that things were going to change, so new chief exec as a big symbol of things are changing. We had a new chair and we had several new uh, directors and non-exec directors appointed. Um, People could see that things were changing. Now, I don't believe that there were substantial changes in patient um, experience or patient outcome for considerable time. And I certainly don't think that we saw immediate changes um, for our staff in how it felt to work in the trust. But gradually things were changing, and not just symbolically. As the only integrated acute community mental health and ambulance healthcare provider in England, a reorganisation took place to realign managers' portfolios, as Jen Edgington explains. I'd literally just been just gone into a head of nursing position around the inspection time. So I'd only just not long come into post. And at the time, the portfolios were very differently aligned than they are now. So at the time, I was the head of nursing quality for ambulance, urgent care and community. And as you can imagine, the focus around ambulance and urgent care is huge. Um, and very little focus then happened for community. So during that period where we had, uh, we were in special measures, the portfolios were realigned to ensure that everyone, every area had the right focus. That was all part of that during that special measures journey. I've since been promoted to Associate Director of Nursing and AHPs for the division. Three years after going into special measures, the CQC rating had moved to requires improvement. Then in March 2020, COVID-19 struck. But now, the Trust and its staff were in a very different position, as Maggie Oldham explains. By the time we got into the pandemic, we'd put in a lot of it, we'd started a lot of initiatives. But I think what the pandemic did for us was absolutely accelerated the need to progress those things further. We talked about flexible home working, but of course it was one of many initiatives and many things that were talked about, but we had to escalate that. And one of the things that we knew from our staff was obviously when we when we asked people to work from home when they could, it's very isolating for people. 
and we tried to put in a, uh, a bridged appraisal so that staff were touching base with their um, welfare checks, in essence. Um, and we did lots of, uh, for, for very many weeks, we did daily videos and we did um, uh, lots of um, uh, Teams-based uh, approaches to speak to those that were that were no longer in the workplace. We we wrote lots of letters to people thanking them for what they were doing. We we wrote to families and as well to to say uh, we understood how difficult it was. Dear Matilda, I wanted to write to say thank you. It has been a very busy time for the NHS, and your mummy is doing everything she everything she can to keep people safe safe and healthy um i my name is matilda garnham i live on the isle of wight and my mum works for the nhs she might be a little busier than normal and maybe having to work longer hours mummy is doing a really important job helping to look after people and you're doing a very important job by helping her with all her with all your support, encouragement and love. You are a part of Team I Love White NHS and we are very grateful for all of your help. When I got the little note, it made me feel really happy because like I'm really thankful all the people from like all the co-workers from the NHS are like thinking about all the people. She's done incredibly well. She's been really strong. My name's Lisa Garnham. I work for the Isle of Wight NHS and I've been the health and wellbeing lead throughout the pandemic for staff's wellbeing. She embraced the homeschooling and, and took all of that on. Um, and I think children are generally more resilient than we are actually in all of this. It was quite an emotional time because everything had changed very quickly. Schools had closed. Um, we were we found ourselves working from our spare rooms. You know, everything changed very quickly. So. Finding this letter, you know, it's such a unique thing. Nothing like this has ever been done before. I've worked for the NHS for 22 years nearly, and this is a sort of a first. So it was quite emotional, actually. A member of the team, you know, knowing that our little people were being appreciated for their efforts. I'd like to claim all that was one of my great ideas, but it, it was what somebody, um, a member of staff, talked to me about what would be important. It was very, very hard. And forgive me, I think we all get emotional when we've been involved in the in the pandemic and the, particularly wave one. Suddenly you'd got uh, couples at home, uh, in, often in small cramped environments with children, couldn't go outside and they wanted mum and dad's full attention. We were immensely proud of our staff in the way that they responded to the work from home call. And um, we wanted to share with, with them and their families how proud we were of their mum and dad, who were a slave to the kitchen table, uh, who were trying to do such a great thing for the NHS and for those who used our services. The support for staff has grown over the last couple of years. I think the pandemic, although it has been incredibly challenging, it has allowed for growth in a variety of other areas and has kind of given the go-ahead for things to change. Um, the well-being offer for staff is phenomenal in comparison to what it was a few years ago. So um, there are networks for people working from home, working from remote, remotely, because that has also been a challenge. 
and things have been broken into much smaller chunks. So um, things like mandatory training has all been reviewed so that as much of it can be done remotely as possible. It makes it much more accessible, much more flexible. So I think the workforce feel much more valued that, that they are able to access things in a more flexible way than they were before. I don't know what we'd have done if we'd have had the pandemic in 2017 um, because we were just not an organisation that was resilient at all at that stage. Um, It wasn't that we lacked policy and procedure. Our application to the policy and procedure was not as robust as we needed it to be. So some of the things, some policies and procedures were out of date and didn't fit with the dynamic needs of the organisation as was, so people circumvented them. Sometimes policies and procedures just didn't exist, so people did their very best. And sometimes the policies and procedures just weren't created by the people that were delivering the services. So unpicking the psychology behind behind that took some time, um, and I'm so glad that by the time we got the pandemic um, impacts, we had an organisation that had more grip and control. As hard as the pandemic has been, it has created so much opportunity. We now have a a real agile workforce um, with the resource to ensure that they can work pretty much anywhere, which I I never thought I would see, I've got to be honest, before the pandemic. So it just goes to show you how how much can change in in a couple of years. Actually, what this pandemic taught us is you get to meet people that you think you'll never meet. Um, It brought us together in a way where how can we provide help to other staff who are struggling? We established new relationships with other wards, which is really amazing for teamwork and, you know, team building. Maggie is currently on secondment from her post as Chief Executive at the Isle of Wight into Liverpool University Hospital's NHS Trust, where she is working with them as an intensive support director for NHS England. So what advice would she give other trusts about supporting staff based on what she's learned at the Isle of Wight? I would say um, the role of somebody that takes on a challenge trust, particularly in the first years, um, is to nurture it back to health at pace with a performance management framework around it. Now, sometimes when you say the nurture word, it, it, it sounds soft and fluffy to people, um, but it is not soft and fluffy at all. I've learned some hard lessons myself over the last 10 years in the last two trusts that I've helped support back to a better place. Um, you, The staff who find themselves in, in trusts that are labelled either special measures or in the new system oversight framework are good people who find themselves in a difficult position, and um, you and we need to res- we, we need to absolutely respect that. Um, you have to have an attention for detail and making people feel valued and special. Um, but you have to do it at pace. You can't say it's going to take me three years to fix some of this stuff because for patients they only get one chance, um, and that's today. So you you want to coach and nurture staff to a better place. Even if you throw millions into some of the trusts that I've worked in, overnight you will not see uh, an impact of that money. And in fact, you know, many times that money ends up being wasted. 
because you have to do things uh, in a measurable, logical um, way. So, so, so nurture, but do things at pace. I think it is, it's a lot better than it was. Um, I think we are really good at um, holding our hands up when things go wrong because we are only human and things do go wrong. We have a much more honest approach. Um, things are much more open. The staff are so much prouder as well, much more positive in how they describe the organisation and, and the teams that they work in. And I think all of that has a knock-on effect. So I think as a whole organisation, we're in a much stronger position. I live here. My children live here. My granddaughter was born here. My parents are here. So for me, working on the island and making it a great place to deliver care means that my family and my friends get great care. If, if you live and work in the same place, it, it's our it's our job to make sure the care that's delivered is really high quality and we just need people that are committed with the right values to help support us to keep it there. Working on a respiratory ward for the past two years has been a challenge, especially well also a def- designated COVID ward. It was a difficult time for the ward at that time, but what the trust has done for its staff, for it, for my fellow colleagues, been admirable. This is Isle of Wight. This is a good place to work. As I would say in our slogan, great people, great place. Uh, there's been obviously a number of improvements at the, at, at the Isle of Wight, including being most improved in the NHS staff survey, uh, coming out of special measures. And uh, what was it like um, starting to see that recognition of all the work that you'd done? I think for me as chief exec, one of the most significant things, and it's small, I suppose, on the grand scheme of things, but going from seeing lots of complaints um, to seeing lots of thank you letters, um, that was that was a really nice thing for me. Chief execs, like everybody else, were human beings, and when you read a complaint letter that really emphasises how your services have let somebody down, then it has a real impact on you. Those are the things... For me, as chief exec, you take home at night, and to be to see those things changing, and patients and their families taking the time to actually write and say things like, "I was quick to tell you when it was wrong, and I want to equally tell you now that it, the service I've received was unrecognisable to where it was in the past." And I suppose the other major um, indicator for me was the staff survey. So when they do take the time to tell you what it's like, um, that that's a gift and you have to take it seriously. And of course, when it's very negative uh, feedback, it's often very difficult to... Because no executive sets out to make the um, experience of their staff unpleasant. And so reading it and taking it on the chin and doing something about it is really difficult but to start to see the shifts in the staff survey um, was just was just really such a privilege because if you believe staff when they say it's bad you equally have to believe them when they start to say that it's things are changing around here. Today the Isle of Wight is now fully out of special measures and is rated good overall by the CQC. If you'd like to know the latest staff survey results for the Isle of Wight and other NHS trusts, you can find them at nhsstaffsurveys.com. Our thanks to Matilda and her mother Lisa, and to Maggie, Karen and Jen who took their time to share their experiences with us for this podcast.